Hello and welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. June is National LGBTQ Pride Month. To mark the historic occasion, Fernando Z. Lopez of San Diego Pride will talk about its history and the work that still needs to be done right after the news. Oceanside relaxed its marijuana regulations this week by making way for recreational cannabis. Previously, the city only allowed medical cannabis businesses with the exception of recreational cultivation. The latest vote removes the medical restriction from all other cannabis businesses, allowing recreational nurseries, manufacturing, and distribution. The ordinance passed four to one with Mayor Esther Sanchez opposed. The COVID-19 pandemic and resulting school closures hurt student performance in San Diego Unified Schools, according to new district data. Statistics released Tuesday show about 14% of students were chronically absent from school this year, up from 8% last school year. And about 45% of middle and high school students received a D or F in at least one class, up from 36% last year. Grades and absenteeism rates were worse for Black students, Latino students, English learner students, and students with disabilities than for white students. San Diego County Supervisor Jim Desmond said Wednesday that young athletes who have not been able to play sports for the past year should get a share of COVID-19 assistance. In a press conference, he announced he wants to spend $10 million of federal COVID-19 assistance to cover registration fees for youth sports. Next week, the Board of Supervisors will discuss how to spend $647.5 million in funds from the American Rescue Plan Act. June is National Pride Month, and July is when festivities take place here in San Diego. The lineup was just released this morning. Fernando Z. Lopez is the executive director of San Diego Pride. We caught up today to talk about Pride's history, the work that still needs to be done, and how their own background informs the work they do. Fernando, thank you so much for joining me. You are the executive director of San Diego Pride. I was hoping we could just begin um, by giving a short history of Pride. You know, I read in your statement, Pride started as a riot, right? It's not just about slapping rainbows um, on, on different merchandise. Um, so, so what is the history of Pride? Yeah, so the, in 1969, the laws were very different that impacted our community. Um, it was legal to lobotomize gay men in the state of California up until 1976. Uh, being LGBTQ was considered a mental illness, um, and it was illegal at the time to sell alcohol to anyone with a mental illness. So in that sense, it was illegal to sell alcohol to LGBTQ folks. And so uh, there was a bar, the Stonewall Inn, that was run by the mafia who would pay off the cops to like sort of leave them alone and every now they wouldn't and the cops would come and ruffle up some folks. And that had happened many times. Uh, bar raids, uh, law enforcement, the queer community all across the country, we were no stranger to that. And it wasn't the first riot, but in 1969, we fought back for three days against uh, the police. And it was such a powerful moment that organizers in New York and across the country were like, let's commemorate this moment of claiming our own power. 
and let's have these Christopher Street Liberation Day marches. And so all across the country in 1970, there were events that were held through the Gay Liberation Front, which was an organization at the time uh, that commemorated that moment. And, and there were events here in San Diego. There was a police uh, protest or protest at the police headquarters. Uh, and we had a, what we called a gay in at the park where we just found community. And what Pride has looked like in each city uh, year after year has grown, has evolved, has developed, but really that was our origins as a Pride movement, um, as these Pride events and organizations. And every single year at Pride, we kick off our Pride weekend with the spirit of Stonewall Rally, where we commemorate that history, we honor the heroes who are championing the cause now, and we call our community to action for the work yet to be done. Well, yeah, speaking of the work yet to be done, you know, when you look at the state of LGBTQ rights today, and especially in California, you know, like, where are you heartened and inspired? You know, what are the strides we've made and, and what still needs work? Yeah, I think a, a lot of the work that we have yet to do in, in the state of California is really about helping the lived experience match what the policies are. And so a lot of that isn't going to necessarily be fixed by the laws. It, it's going to require a cultural shift. Um, in us understanding lesbian, gay, bisexual, and especially our transgender and non-binary communities just as full, authentic human beings and, and allowing them to live their lives. And of course, we know that our communities of color have additional disparities and discriminatory policies that you know, we're trying to work through as well. And so for folks who are at that intersection, really battling through the discrimination and systemic oppression uh, of being a in a community of color and being a part of the LGBT community, there's a lot of work to do. So that looks like education reform. That looks like our media telling richer stories of the full diversity of our community, whether it's television or the news. Uh, that looks like employment opportunities. That looks like uh, DEI work, right? And that looks like equitable hiring policies. And so we really need to look at education, housing, employment. And I think if you look back through the long history of civil rights movement and LGBTQ movements, that's really what we're talking about is equal opportunity and, and some equity to get us there. Well, speaking of the treatment of uh, transgender people, the San Diego police this week released a new policy um, that would allow, you know, people to, well, it, it guides how police will interact with transgender non-binary people. What do you think of that policy? You know, I think that that's probably a beautiful step in the right direction, but it, I think it also speaks to how far we have to go, right? If, if there's a policy saying that, hey, this particular type of human being you need to treat with dignity and respect, if that's the bar, we probably have a, a big way to go. And if you look at the research that's come out uh, here locally or through the Williams Institute, um, you'll see the very clear disparities that LGBT community members have when engaging with law enforcement, uh, and especially, again, our trans community members and our trans community members of color. I wanted to ask a little bit about your personal story. I read on Pride's website, uh, you were a homeless youth when you moved here in 1999. Um, how has your life experience shaped the work you do here in San Diego? You know, I, I am a first generation US citizen. I'm a Mexican, Jewish, bi-ethnic, uh, um, former homeless youth, queer, non-binary, former homeless youth and rape survivor. Um, and and I, I say all of those things because it helps inform my lived experience. It helps inform the work that I do. And it 
gives me this understanding of just what folks who are at those intersections of multiple marginalized identities are talking about. Like, I'm not just saying it, that's been my life. I know what it's like to have uh, a principal and a teacher turn their back on you uh, when someone's calling you a, a homophobic slur. I know what it's like to live on the streets. I know what it's like to scrape by for food. Um, I, I know what it's like to go through the trauma of sexual violence and, and meet a legal system that isn't there to serve LGBTQ folks. And so every step of that process in my own journey, and, and then of course doing this work for a little over two decades, you, you get to understand the nuance of the policies that will help lift us in the right direction. But again, it's it's not just those policies or those laws are gonna make us safe. It's not like you know electing one LGBT elected official to a certain position is gonna be the end all be all of this discrimination. It's really about a cultural shift. It's about how we change how we treat people in our daily lives. It's about how we hire folks and it's about the stories we tell. Speaking of those cultural shifts, you know, for Pride Month, is there anything that you would implore people to do, you know, regardless if that's marching, donating, you know, making a small, uh, I mean, you know, I'm not necessarily saying you need to ask for donations, but you know, like making a small gesture, hiring, whatever it is. Yeah, you know, how are you investing in queer people? How are you investing in the LGBT community? I think that's a wonderful question. Like so many folks oftentimes say, oh, I'm an ally. You know, I, I had a gay best friend in high school. Like, great, congratulations. Glad that you love someone. Thank you for wearing a rainbow sticker. That's wonderful. But like, how are you? I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, how are you hiring LGBTQ folks? How are you being intentional in your recruitment processes? What are the LGBT organizations that you're donating to? Um, LGBT organizations are the, one of the most underfunded uh, organizations types from a philanthropy perspective. And so are you putting your dollars where your mouth is? And, and I'll say like, as much as we all appreciate the rainbow swag out there, you know, at the end of the day, you, you're giving your money to a corporation. Uh, but why don't you think about for a moment, one of the many LGBT organizations that are out there in this region um, or across the country that are aligned in alignment with your values. I can tell you if there's a sports organization or uh, you know the Black Coalition or the API Coalition or uh, the choruses or the theaters, like there's so many different kinds of LGBT organizations that are nonprofits that you can invest in um, and, and just find out what that is and maybe make a donation. I think that's absolutely a great idea. Final question. You mentioned a little bit about the programming for Pride this year, but are there any particular events that you're excited about? So, you know, but my favorite event every single year is the Spirit of Stonewall Rally. Um, that's, you know, where we talk about the origins, we honor those heroes, and it's a call to action. This year, we have a we're doing over 20 events, and, and most of them are in person. There's going to be a live streaming virtual ones. A lot of our in-person ones are also a streaming live. Um, so you just take a look. And again, if, if there's something that you're interested in, there's probably an event out there for you. We have events for seniors, for children, for families, um, for our service members and veterans, for our artists. Like the, the events that we're producing are, are, are so diverse. Like we have an interfaith event. Uh, there's going to be a huge march. Or we're calling it a community resilience march. Uh, so I, I really think that if you check out our website, sdpride.org pride, you'll find something there that excites you, interests you, and come on down, be a part of the movement. Sounds good. Fernando, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it and happy Pride.
You can find these stories online at SanDiegoUnionTribune.com. I'm Christy Totten, host of the San Diego News Fix. Thanks for listening.